Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am one of your co or one of your hosts, Blake Rafino. I am graciously here with former Saints wide receiver Terrence Copper, aka. Okay, okay, never mind. Y'all couldn't hear me. Y'all couldn't hear me. See, you can hear me on the audio side and the radio XM side. TC, you see, we're on the XM radio, Sirius XM, but we're still live streaming. Technical difficulties galore. I said, ah, we are live. I'm here. I am Blake Rafino, one of your co-hosts, and I'm here with Terrence Copper, former Saints wide receiver, and... Uh, um, former, uh, look, I'm already flustered, TC. My blood <laughs> pressure's up. I mean, I just had a bowl of gumbo. I mean, it's the most Louisiana thing of all time. True, true. I got to agree with you. <laughs> awesome. Well, look, I, I want to thank our good partners over at Believe and our good partners over at XM Radio, Sirius XM. Terrence and I will be on XM Radio Live through the Believe Podcast Network, Believe in Saints. Go follow us on Twitter and all the social media platforms. Uh, we do have a lot to talk about tonight. TC, we, we only did one last week. We took off Thursday. Um, anything just kind of, look, we're going to go through a lot of things tonight. I, I Story time with TC. That's going to be fun. Like, I've never been inside a, a locker room. Well, I mean, uh, an NFL locker room. But you have. I yep. want to hear the stories, man. I want to hear what is the best story, the best Saints NFL story that Terrence Copper has. But they're going to have to wait for that. They're going to have to wait for it, but we're going to get into it. We'll get into the deep dive of Jameis Winston, too. It's going to be fun tonight, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm excited. Like I said, I got some stories about some of the guys on the team. Nothing too crazy, but uh, some interesting stories. Look, um, I hope that one, like, goes viral. Like, we'll post a clip and it goes viral. <laughs> I, I, I saw Drew Brees, like, doing X, Y, and Z, and it goes viral. Like, <laughs> I hope that's our impact tonight. Um, I didn't say this on AYS, and I, I need to say it now. Um, our thoughts and prayers, I know Pooh Bear said it on the opening uh, part of the show on the last one. Our thoughts and prayers are for everybody in the state of Texas. Um, and the uh, school shooting. Um, 
TC, you have kids? Oh, yeah. You know, I do too. Um, That's tough. That's tough. You know, even just imagine. I can't imagine sending my kids off to school and not seeing them again. You know, that's I, I think that's crazy, honestly. I well, never seen anything like it. Uh today's world is is different. It's different. Uh I don't know, it's just tough, man. That's that's a tough pill to swallow as a parent. I'm gonna I'm gonna add something to tonight's show. Um Steve Kerr's going viral. He posted he said something an hour ago, and it's already got over two million views. TC, I want to ask you the impact you have as an NFL player. You know, like when you go out to the community, the impact you have on kids, and not just kids, man, parents too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I can't, I, I can't mentally go there. You know, and it, it, it it's tough. Um, but we're thinking about you know everybody. Uh, we will do a Jameis deep dive though, and then ask mm-hmm. us, man. Tasty, a lot of people putting some disrespect on Jameis's name, man. I, I, you know, Tasty, is it a fluke to throw five touchdown passes in multiple games in the NFL? No, <laughs> no, it's not a fluke, you, and you and can't. definitely not for for Jameis. Look, we got to realize this guy was a first round draft pick, and when he was in Tampa, he put numbers up. He just threw a lot of picks. Absolutely, but he, he still threw over thirty touchdowns. You know, so he can sling the rock. He can throw it. His talent has never been an issue. You know, it's just now, you know, with the 30 and 30, everything is just so around how many picks he threw. That's a lot of picks. It is. But he still put a lot of numbers up. So for him throwing five touchdowns, he can do that easily. I ain't going to say easily, but he can do that in any given game because he has the talent to do it. I don't think Green Bay was a fluke. No. I don't think Green Bay was a fluke. But let's do this. We got a lot to talk about. Let's let's pay some bills. Shout out to our good friends over at SiriusXM and Believe and our good friends over at Bet Online. Guys, we'll be back in 50 seconds, me and TC, but let's pay these bills. Let's talk about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. Our partners over at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's easy to get started, so head on over to their website. Use BetOnline.ag. Use that promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, betonline.ag. So, T-City, there's been a lot of talk about Jameis Winston this week, obviously because, um, and, and look, our good partners ever believe says Jameis also threw 30 interceptions while he was legally blind. I think that that's got a lot to do with it. But look, last year... Jameis went 5-2 and two as a starter. He threw for 1,200 yards, 14 touchdowns. Here's the key thing for me, TC. He threw three picks. Now, I mm-hmm. get that that's in a Sean Payton offense. I know Sean was kind of tempering him back a little bit. But in, 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 in seven games, and one of those games, he, he only played the first quarter in Tampa Bay, and then Trevor Simeon had to come in. 
He threw 14 touchdowns. I don't really understand the disrespect, but when you see a quarterback as talented as Jameis as a wide receiver, what do you see? Right? Like, what is some things that Jameis did a season ago that you see that's like, bro, that's why that man went number one overall, and there's not a there's not a discussion about it. If you just look at him on the sidelines, you know, on the sidelines, the way he's talking to his players, his leadership skills, uh, that's the first thing I noticed, the way he communicates with his players, whether he whether he's fussing at them, whether he encouraging them, it's the leadership part of it. You know, so that's one thing. And as a receiver, you looking at it like, okay, I'm about to get some balls, especially some deep balls. Uh, because it's a difference when you play with a quarterback that is a good quarterback. And you also, it's a difference when you play with a quarterback that's a bad quarterback. <laughs> uh, expound on that. Um, it's a big difference. So, I never really knew, and it's not a knock at anybody playing quarterback at all that I ever played with. But I played with Vinny Testaverde. I played with the Italian. I, you know, I got a shout out to the Italians. The Italian exactly. stallion. Continue. <laughs> Continue. Exactly. So I played with Vinny Testaverde. I played with Drew Bledsoe. I played with um, Tony Romo, but Romo was on more practice squad guy when I was there. Um, Drew Henson. Oh, shout out to Drew Henson. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Drew Henson. Then you have, you have your Matt Castle. Um, you have, who was the quarterback in Baltimore? Uh, oh, well, what year would that have been? This was 08 Flacco. Yeah, it so would have been Flacco because Flacco. Flacco was drafted like in 07, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, and then you got Drew Brees. And like I said, I'm not going to call any quarterback out of, you know, out of that bunch. But it's a difference between playing with Drew Brees and playing with maybe another quarterback that's not a Drew Brees. You know, I remember when I was in Kansas, not Kansas, when I was in New Orleans, um, remember David Patton? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, rest in peace, David Patton. He, he died not too long ago. I didn't know that. Yeah, motor oh. motorcycle accident. Yep. Oh. Not a motorcycle accident. And that's one thing we used to always talk about. He was like, cop, I'm going to tell you, because he played with Tom Brady with, with New England. And so the first thing he told me when I was in New Orleans, listen, cop, don't leave here and go somewhere else. We don't have a good quarterback. I say, y'all better <laughs> appreciate Drew Brees while you were here. You know, appreciate Drew uh -huh. Brees. And that's one thing that always stuck with me. You know, if this for any young receivers out there. If you got a good quarterback and you're not in a bad situation, stick with that quarterback. I understand, you know, you want to chase the money and, and get your money by all means. Make sure you do that. But if you got a good quarterback and you play receiver, you need to stick with him as long as possible because you just going to a, another team where the quarterback is not as it's not as good could tarnish your career. It could mess your career up. You know. Think of, think about Odell Beckham. Oh his man! Oh up. man! So his, true. His career didn't. Yeah, his career didn't mess up. But if he was stuck up under uh, Baker long enough, you know he would he would never emerge back again the way he did with the Rams. You know, and I'm not saying Baker is a bad quarterback, but he may have been in a bad spot with Cleveland. But situations like that could mess your career up. So let me ask you this as a as a guy that. 
I, I don't know how to really. This might be a stupid question, but I don't think the way that I'm asking might make it sound stupid. But I, I know what I'm trying, what I'm thinking, right? Like, um, is there a big? So Jameis is a big arm quarterback, right? Like, yep. guy's got a humongous arm. We saw him throw it 57 yards to Hardy. Well, at that point, Harris, but Hardy down the field. We've seen Drew in his younger years. He had a big explosive arm. Drew Bledsoe had a big arm. Flacco had a big arm. But you talk about, and I don't, no disrespect to Drew Henson. Like, zero disrespect. But some guys just don't have that big of an arm. Some guys are more accurate. We saw that with Drew later on in his career. More deadly accurate than a big, uh, uh, big arm guy. TC, is there a difference in how you call games and how you run routes if a guy's just, like, got a bazooka attached to his shoulder? Like, is your slants a little bit quicker, right? Like, is your is your fades a little bit more along the sideline than maybe it normally is because the ball is a little bit fertile? Maybe you can get more separation. I don't know if I'm asking that correctly, mm-hmm. but is it different when you have a big-arm quarterback versus when you have a quarterback that's deadly accurate no matter what happens, and maybe doesn't have the biggest the biggest arm. Uh, so no, you're not going to adjust your routes or anything like that. Of course, if you got a quarterback that has a big arm, of course, if you run it, if you got a deep ball, you need to turn your horses on and go. But truthfully, there's not a lot of deep balls that's completed in the game. You may complete two deep balls a game if you really look at it. Uh, you're not completing a lot of deep balls. I'd rather have that quarterback that's more accurate especially with quick game stuff and intermediate throws because and of course you you got to be able to complete the deep ball to keep the defense honest but there's not a lot of deep balls completed in a game and and numbers show and this with everything the longer the ball stay in the air the less likely it's going to get caught that's why the quick game stuff the slants the quick outs the hitches that's why quick game passing percentage is so high because the the ball's not in the air as long and then when you start getting intermediate intermediate your percentage of completion goes down a little bit more than quick game because now intermediate even though they're not deep balls they're still in the air a little longer than the quick game balls Mm -hmm. and the deep balls again that percentage of passes getting caught is even less is even less is dropped even more because the ball has to stay in the air longer so the least the least amount of time that flight flight of of the of the balls in the air the more likely it's going to get caught that's why when guys are throwing uh, deep balls, you see a lot of back shoulders. Uh huh. Right, 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 right. That ball, that flight time, that ball is in the air is not that much as when somebody throwing just to go get it uh, deep ball. So the percentage of your deep balls is not a great percentage when it comes to getting caught, even though they are caught, but you don't throw them a lot and they're not completed that much. Do you think the maturity of Jameis, like the three interceptions, is the biggest thing? Okay, when you're look, you played seven games, you throw three picks. I mean, that, TC, that's massive. Um, let me ask you this though, because I think that Jameis has gotten more mature, right? Meaning, look, I'm a man, you're a man. Our producers, Pooh Bear, he's got you know, he's married, he's got kids. When we get married and we have kids, we we grow up, and I kind of feel that's the same exact thing that happened with Jameis. Right, like the same exact thing happened with him. As a maybe not a younger receiver, but as older receiver, like a Mike Thomas, if if he checks the ball down 
and he's more mature and meticulous in the way that he does it. You know, we see a lot of guys, younger guys, get frustrated with not getting the ball. Do you think that Jameis can control that? Like we saw uh, Traquan Smith at Seattle. Like Jameis, you remember the the meme? <laughs> remember the meme of Jameis? He's like looking at uh, <laughs> Traquan. Like I didn't throw you the ball because you can't catch it. You know? Do do you? Is there more relaxed in leadership when a guy? is taking care of the football and being meticulous and being smart and doing things. Because at the end of the day, if Jameis needs to do it, he can uncork it. Like, he can throw it deep. There's no question about it. But as a, as a team, do you buy into the guy that's going to make the right play? Or do you want kind of like the gunslinger sometimes, like a Brett Favre? Like, as a team, what better helps you win? I mean, Brett Favre won a lot of games, but – Jameis just seems more mature, and with this team, it seems like he might need to do that a little bit more with a whole new coaching staff. I think I think what you want, you want a quarterback that can do both. You don't want a gunslinger just going to be out there just slinging everything down the field. <laughs> right. He ha- he have to be able to take what the defense gives you. And, and that's one thing that I think where last year he kind of – he developed a lot more is because of the fact that he wasn't trying to force anything unless it was there right unless unless it's there to throw it but don't force it just take what the defense give you and we'll nickel and dime you all the way down the field you know because as long as we have the ball their offense can't score so you want a quarterback that can do both and at the end of the day it's not always on the quarterback if this if a certain guy get the ball or not it's about the offensive play that's called because he got a progression he has to go through. Depends on what coverage it is. Depends on what receivers his number one look, his number two look, his number three look, you know, when he's going through his progression. So even though the number two look might be wide open on a deep post route, but if his first look is open, that's where he's going to his first look. And he might go to the second look if that first look isn't there. Then he move on his progression to the next look. But it's not all about the quarterback. Oh, he's just not throwing this guy the ball. It's also about the play call and the coverage that is being ran. Because if, if his first look is open, that's what he's going to throw the ball to, to his first look. Right. So it's so interesting. It's so dramatic. Like when you sit a year behind a guy like Drew Brees, you know, like in today's society, we're so gung ho on the guy's got to come in and start. Like we, and sometimes it's not always that case, TC. Like, I know you're spending a lot of money for a quarterback. I know you're spending a lot of money to get this guy out here. But that year with Drew could have meant so much to Jameis moving down the line. Was there a guy, (coughs) excuse me, in your career that you sat behind that you were like, you know what? And and now that when you look back on it and you're teaching younger, younger players, that when you look back on it, like this guy, he was my mentor. Was Who was that guy for you in the league if you did have one? You know what? I'll have to say Keyshawn Johnson and Terry Glenn, the late Terry Glenn. Terry Glenn, he passed as well uh, a couple of years ago. But Keyshawn Johnson, when I got to Dallas, he kind of took me on his wing and, and showed me the ropes, to- showed me how to be a pro uh, on the field. And he talked about a lot of stuff off of the field that helped me out. One thing that, that always stuck with me, and I tell people all the time when I go give speeches, Keyshawn always told me, he was like, Cop, this life we're living in right now, <clears throat> this football world we're living in is a la-la land. This is not real life. <laughs> That's what he said. Uh-huh. And he's so true. He said, it's not real life. 
He said, the money that you make and the people that you meet and the connection that you make is only to give you a good start when life starts for you. He said, life don't start with us until football is over. Once our career is done with football, that's when real life starts for us. And he was like, the money that you made and the connections that you made is to give you a great start to life when when life really starts. And that's after football, because when you play in football, it's la la land. You never you, you can't go to a job and find a job that's going to pay you six figures to seven figures right out of college. You're not going to find that job. You know, soon you come out of college, you you a millionaire. Soon you come out of college or you making six figures right out of college. You're not going to find that job. You know, so like he was saying, this is this is la la land. This is not real life. Real life doesn't start until after you're done playing football. And so it's little nuggets like that. He's always talked to me about and really just helped me become a pro. And when it comes on the field stuff, off the field stuff. So I would say Keyshawn. So funny you say that because, you know, the narrative that ESPN and all those guys pushed was it was so crazy because Keyshawn works for ESPN now is that he was a horrible teammate. <laughs> and then no. you come and, and then you come out. It's like, hey, I, I, and I ask you, hey, who was the guy that mentored you? Keyshawn. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's so wild, you know, because I cop. I He was the last person I thought you were going to say, you know what I mean? Like. I, I thought yeah. he was the last person you're going to say. Um, last thing on Jameis, and I want to move into some of the stuff like some of the stuff that just really happens in the NFL with you. I mean, look, we're in the off season. There's not a lot going on, um, but two things that I want to move on to what we call TC's story time. Um, I, it, it's difficult because sometimes when you see a guy like a you know, like a Drew Brees, and then you have a predecessor, like Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo. If you watch Jimmy Garoppolo's pregame, it's the exact same as Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Jameis is doing that, but he's kind of just been his own guy with taking everything that he's always learned and putting it into one. I, I'm not saying that he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I, I, I'm not saying that. I I'm a Jameis Winston apologist. I TC, I think he could lead you there. I, I really believe that. When you watch this kid play, you've played with multiple Hall of Famers, literally. Multiple mm-hmm. Hall of Famers, multiple Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, Flacco, Breeze, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um when you look at Jameis, do you have that confidence in him that he can that he can win it all, that he can bring the Saints back to the Super Bowl? I do. I do, but it's not just about Winston. It's not just about him. It's about his supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Even though, think about it. Huh. Drew Brees have, has led New Orleans to a Super Bowl and some amazing seasons. But Drew Brees can't do it by himself. You know, you he have to have a supporting cast. Now, don't get me wrong. He's at the helm. He's a captain on that team. Just, just off the simple fact that he's the quarterback. You know, he's going to be a captain of that team. You know, so he'll have to make plays for the team because – He's the quarterback. He's in a position where he has to do those things. But he have to have a supporting cast. So I don't put everything on Winston. I put everything on everybody. And when I say everybody, I'm talking about the coaching staff. The coaching staff got to have the right game plan set, you know, because we can go into battle. But if we have a terrible game plan, it don't matter who you have on this side of the ball. The game plan was terrible. So you're not going to win that game regardless. So it goes down not just the quarterback. But it, the O line got to do their job. 
the running back got to do their job. And when I say the running back doing their job, I'm not necessarily saying the running back have to rush for 100 yards, but the part of the running back job is is picking up the blitz. You know, when they are blitzing and you got to step in and pick the blitz up to give Winston that extra second to get the ball off. Uh, Receivers got to do their job with catching the ball. So everybody have a job to do when it comes to winning the Super Bowl, and it's not just on the quarterback. But the quarterback do have to make good decisions. All right, last thing. You talked – this is what we call a transition in our business. You talk about the pieces around it. Um, Another LSU guy, and I I can't make this up. I know we cover LSU too. Daryl Williams was in the building this weekend, but he wound up signing with Arizona – and going and going with Arizona and being one of their running backs because they, I mean, look, they just they really need them bad. Um, TC, they struck out. They've on it would appear they struck out on two running backs. The best, the best availability for or best ability for a quarterback is a good running game. Does that bother you if AK sending out? Like, look, I, I got to t- the biggest concern for me, and I mean the biggest, is AK's out for eight games. Like that, that, that is my biggest concern. It's not the defense, corners, safeties, O line. It's not pinning. It's not Mike. It's Mike Thomas coming back. It legitimately mm-hmm. is. Can they find a running back in a running game? That's mm-hmm. the only thing for Jameis, but it's, it, which is completely out of his control that worries me. When you see an organization going after one position so hard and striking out, as a player, what does that tell you? Because Daryl does go to Arizona. I mean, what what would that tell you on the surface in the offseason as a player? You know what? The running back position really don't concern me a lot. Okay, okay. And, and this this the reason why. Now, what you said was, was correct. You do need a run game, especially with having Winston back there at the quarterback position just to help him when it comes to decision-making and also helping him when it comes to the play-action game, right. having a strong play-action game because that's what he excelled in, the play-action game. But it don't concern me a lot because I've just seen through my years playing and watching the game that you don't have to have a high-profile running back to have a good run game. Running backs, and, I, and I'm not disrespecting the running back position, but you can find a good running back dime a dozen. Hmm. You can find that guy through free agency. And when I say free agency, I'm not talking about free agency of going to another team and finding another team free. I'm talking about somebody coming from college that you may put on your roster as a free agent. Mm-hmm. Those guys, when you put those guys on the roster, they are productive. Not saying all of them, but you always going to find one running back that you pick up through free agency that you made in draft that is going to kill it. You know, it's always that guy. So I'm not real concerned about, you know, we need to find a running back. We need to find a running back. I think we'll find one. We'll find one. It may not be a traditional through the draft or through free agency where you're trying to find a high-profile running back, but just get just get some good running backs in the building, and they'll separate themselves. I, separate I tend to agree. You know, the biggest um, – I think the most underrated guy on that Saints offense uh, in, in the Super Bowl year was Mike Bell. Shout-out to the running back Mike Bell. I mean, crucial third downs. He -hmm. was truck-sticking dudes. I got to tell you a very (laughs) bad secret. I used to to play with the Saints on Madden and get Mike Bell and just run people over. Like, (laughs) forget Drew Brees, forget Reggie Bush, 
For, mm-hmm. Forget Colston. Forget all of them. Mike Bell was my favorite, bro. I mean, he would just – he would run dudes over, and then he had the old Rydell uh, helmet with the face mask, like the, the 1982 face mask. It was just mm-hmm. so pure. Like, the man wanted <laughs> to play football. So, I, yeah. I, I, had to, I had to get that out. But transitioning mm-hmm. to some old teammates and to some of the guys that you've played with, I mentioned Reggie Bush. I mentioned we've mentioned Drew Brees. I just said Colston. I gotta know. I gotta okay. know. What is the what is Terrence Copper's favorite or best story of being a wide receiver of the New Orleans Saints? Like what when like if if we're at a bar and and we're talking, we're chit chatting, and I'm like TC, what's the best story of the Saints that you've ever had? What's the first story that you're telling? Uh, you know, it's not really a funny story. Now, I have some crazy stories, but it, not necessarily me being in Kansas City, but I have some funny <laughs> stories. But <laughs> and I'll tell you one of the stories when I was in not can when I was in New when I was in Kansas City. I'll tell you one of the stories when I was in Kansas City. Tell all of them. But, but when I was in when I was in New Orleans, for one, I've never been starstruck before, right? Okay. I've never been starstruck before. But Deuce McAllister, this was when we was in training camp. I forgot what year it was. Deuce McAllister, uh, we down in, in hot-ass Mississippi. Would that be 06? Camp. To really interrupt you, would that be 06? Matter of fact, it probably was 06. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we go down, we in training camp, and Deuce McAllister invites a couple of guys out to go eat. Uh, maybe after one practice, I think we may have had the day off, but he, he, uh, he invited us to go out to a nice little steak restaurant. <laughs> And when I walk into the restaurant, <laughs> oh no, my favorite, he might not be big to everybody else, but he was a guy that I grew up off, grew up on, listening to his music to kind of get me hyped ready for the games. So it was a rapper by the name of David Banner. Bro, David, <laughs> rubber band man, what you talking about? I mean, yes, look, David Banner look, in the building. David Banner was one of my favorite rappers (laughs) all time. And so we walk into the restaurant, so we all go back to a private room back there where we're eating at, and we walk in and David Banner is just sitting at the table, and he's just chit-chatting with us like, like we've been knowing him forever. Now him and Deuce was probably, they was was cool, been cool forever, but I didn't know David Banner for for a man in the moon, but I knew who his music (laughs) was. And I'm sitting there trying to keep my composure I'm like, Lord, I don't want to ask him for an autograph because <laughs> I don't want to look like that guy. But I'm strict. I'm right in groupie mode, seriously. But I had to hide it. So that was one of the stories when it came to Deuce uh, introducing us to David Banner, one of my all-time uh, favorite rappers. Uh, so I had the pleasure to meet him by the way of Deuce. Uh, I got a guilt. I got a guilty David Banner story. <laughs> I used to tell girls like my opening pickup line was David Banner. It's like real girls get down on the flow on the flow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a music junkie, man. I, I love David Banner. Uh, oh shout out to Little Flip from Houston and David Banner. Shout out, shout out to them. Um, Definitely. What yeah, restaurant? What restaurant was it? Do you remember? I don't remember. I don't know if it was Roof Chris or something like that, but it was a steakhouse that we went to. But it was it was a nice little setup. So, nice setup. look, you had a lot of characters on that team. The team when you were the Saints, you had Deuce. Uh, was Joe was Joe Horn ever your teammate? Horn. So yep. you had Joe Horn. You had Drew Brees. You had Reggie Bush. You had Colston. Yep. Um, 
that's a you know it's funny you, we talk about the Saints New Orleans that's a very diverse gumbo I mean that's like mm-hmm. missing chicken and sausage and, and, and seafood gumbo and putting it in a pot um what was Joe Horn like you know like was he Mr. Cell Phone Joe Horn underneath the goalpost like hey it's Joe I'll call you back like I mean you were in that room with him I mean what, what was he like Joe Horn was super cool, man. Joe Horn, he's from he's from North Carolina, Fayetteville guy, you know. Uh, but one thing about Joe, Joe never got tired. That's something I don't think people realize about Joe. Joe never got tired. Like, I'm talking about literally, we will have a 15-play script for practice, and Joe will take every single play. He wouldn't take any plays off. The only time he took a playoff is the coach had to pull him out. But Joe never missed reps in practice. Wow. He took a ton of reps in practice. He never he never missed reps. I don't see how he had legs for the <laughs> game on Sunday because he just never missed practice. He never missed reps. But he would take all the reps if he had to. That's one thing that stands out to me about Joe. Like, Joe really was a hard worker. Uh, there is no, there's no rhyme or reason to – to question why was Joe that great? Joe put the work in, man. Joe put the work in. He worked his butt off. He hardly ever missed practice unless he was injured. But when he practiced, he took every rep possible. And well, and Joe Horn's son, JC, is an absolute dog playing in Carolina. I mean, he played in the SEC, played in South Carolina, saw him. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something about Joe. Uh, saw Joe on the sidelines of LSU South Carolina during COVID. Mm-hmm. And when you see JC, you're like, okay, I mean, what happened here? You know, like, cause Joe's not that big of a guy, you know, like he's, yeah. <laughs> he, he's kind of a shorter guy. Mm-hmm. Joe's Joe's there. And he's, he's the, like when he talks, when Joe would talk, the entire team was listening. Like the DBs, it was mm-hmm. TC. I'd never seen, I've never seen a DB room or like any room when a man spoke on a sideline, like I, I forget how he said it, but like, I think it was Kayshawn Booty at LSU. Like, hey, he's doing he's doing this out of his break. Mm-hmm. They didn't throw it at J- JC the rest of the game. I, I mean, the, the small little minute details that Joe. I mean, obviously with a long career, yep. he can pick up on that others just can't. Mm-hmm. But the, the, here's here's the one we talk about: Drew. We talk about all these guys. I got to know about Reggie, okay? Because look, at, Reggie at the pinnacle. Okay, you got to remember for for like me and Pooh Bear, our producer, for our generation, the man just came off of winning a Heisman. Okay, yep. um, they need to give it give it back to him. By the way, that's that that's my thought on the Heisman. Um, did they did you did y'all used to rip up on <laughs> Reggie as a rookie? Like, hey rookie, here's my pads, or was it kind of like, hey man, this kid can play? Like the rookie hazing, we might let him get our pads once, but this guy's instrumental into what we're doing here. No, for one, when it comes to any rookie, it don't matter when you get drafted. It don't matter if you're a Heisman. That might even put more fuel to the fire to make you do more things. The guys will make you do more things because you were drafted so high. You know, so Reggie being a rookie, that didn't – that don't stop nothing when it comes to <laughs> you carrying pads in and all those type things. That didn't stop anything. But one thing about Reggie, man, Reggie is – you know, he's coming from Cali. Like I say, he just came off winning the Heisman. You would think that Reggie would be a big-headed guy, a very arrogant guy. He wasn't. He was so down-to-earth. That's one thing that New Orleans has done a great job of. 
they get guys in the building that are team first uh-huh. and humble and they just go about their business. And that's the type of guy Reggie was. Super athletic, one of the most explosive guys that I've seen, you know, when it comes to how he just runs. Uh, but Reggie was a humble guy, man, that was so down to earth. And if you didn't know he was Reggie Bush, kind of like Drew Brees, if you don't know it's Drew Brees, you would never know it's Drew Brees. And the same thing with Reggie Bush. If you don't know it's Reggie Bush, you're not going to know it's Reggie Bush because he's just so down to earth, have a conversation with anybody. Uh, Reggie was one of my favorite guys. And I, the crazy thing about it is that was the, by me knowing Reggie, that was my first time ever seeing Kim Kardashian before my I life. was about to ask. <laughs> I swear to God. Because when, when you said that he was a down-to-earth guy and he was coming from Cali and you thought the limelight would get to him, I was thinking, I swear to God, I was thinking in my head, man, that man was married. <laughs> that dude was dating Kim K, bro. <laughs> hey, look, I'll tell you a quick story about that. So, uh my first time meeting her, well, I can't say I met her, my first time seeing her was at a Saints game. And she was coming out of the, the family room where all the family and stuff that, that wait for the players after the game. And when she walked out, everybody and their mama, literally, and their mama was looking at her booty. <laughs> <laughs> Just look, just off the fact, just off the fact, not even, not even looking, look, like, look, not even looking at it in like a sexual way, not even looking at it that way. But it's just off the fact that it's Kim Kardashian, and everybody know that she's known for her assets at that time. At that time, you know. So, oh, she's known for her assets, all right. <laughs> but that was at that time. Of course, she done blew up. And she's a mogul or whatever. She, you know, she's she's done a great job. You know, and she did an amazing. She was good when she was when she was Reggie as well. But <sighs> that's the first thing that I noticed. Not even necessarily says me looking, but if you just look around at other people, I'm talking about moms. I'm talking about dads. Everybody was just staring at her butt while she walking by. God, Tacey, that's the best story I've ever heard in my <laughs> I'm life. Telling you, it was weird. It was weird, but I got it, you know? But yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> the Gold Boot Podcast says booty, 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 rocket. <laughs> but but it's it's crazy though. It's crazy mm-hmm. because you know, whether it be football or whether it be fighting or whatever it is, like so for example. Like, people think of Conor McGregor or Floyd Mayweather and the money. Oh, this guy's nothing about money or, or this, that, and the third. The limelight gets to him. Floyd knocked out a guy again this past weekend. Floyd was, was literally on the ringside talking to the announcers and knocked the dude out. Conor, I know he has lost a couple fights, but, like, these dudes are bad dudes, bro. Like, re- TC, this man in full pads, Reggie Bush, jumped from the 10 and got in the end zone crazy it's insane it's he's super athletic man super athletic did he did uh, so do you think the difference from guys from like the nfl to college it's a it's a like a flip of a switch because you're dating kim k bro like you got all the money in the world but he's a dog out there man Mm -hmm. i mean is it just like a a flip switches and 
this guy's like a different dude out when you're out having steaks, but when he's on the field, he's just a monster? I think everybody's that way mm-hmm. when you get to the league. If you don't have that switch, because when you're off the field, when you're off the field, you, you're you not the same guy when you're on the field. You have alter egos. Like when you get on that football field, you get a meanness about you. You get a a certain type of aggression about you. You can't be the same guy that you are off the field that you are on the field or you're not going to last. I'll tell you a quick story. When I played, when games was over with, I was emotionally exhausted. Oh, I can see game. that. Yep. And and the reason why is because I played receiver, right? So I played receiver. So when I'm on the football field playing receiver, my head space got to be different. I got to be more conscious of what I'm doing, more strategic of how to get open, certain things. But I also play special teams. Uh-huh. So when I went on the field of special teams, I became angry. You know, I because I have to block D linemen or uh, running backs or tight ends or linebackers. So my aggression switch has to flip because now if I'm not out there aggressive or with my mentality switching, I'm not going to be successful I am on the field at playing special teams because you can't go out there with the same receiver personality when you're playing special teams because this is really is a dog fight out there on special teams. So I will, I was switching from one personality when I'm at receiver, when I got to get on special teams, then my other personality got to come out. So I was constantly switching personalities back and forth as the game was going on. Now, it's, it wasn't anything that was noticeable to people that was watching, but on the inside of me, I knew how I had to switch mentalities mm-hmm. to be able to perform the way I needed to perform. And that's what I was doing. So after the game was over with, emotionally, I was drained because switching back personalities back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I was drained after each game, mentally and emotionally drained because I had to keep switching personalities. Uh, speaking of that, you talk about special teams. Craig fired in hashtag STC. What about the Budweiser man on special teams? Were you there when Michael Lewis was was there? I was. I was. What was the but? Fast. What, what? Fast. That's what. <laughs> that's that's the first thing that jumped out at me. Mike was little, but he was fast. I'm talking about all get out fast. You ever seen the movie Major League? You remember Major League when Wesley Snipes was like the center fielder, Willie Mays mm-hmm. Hayes. Was he like just the guy that just got out of bed and then it would just run and was faster than everybody? You know what? The crazy thing about it, that's a great that's a great example. <laughs> he was just always fast. You know, you have some guys where, you know, when they go to practice, like myself or anybody, like, oh, I'm tight today. I don't feel like running. I'm tight. You know, and they take a lot more to get loose. Man, Mike was always at full speed. He was always at full speed. I, I've never that I can recall, I never heard him saying, oh, I'm tight or, you know, I'm, I don't feel like running. I just, I never heard it from him. He was always full speed. <laughs> I'll always. never I'll never forget the interview when they talked to him about something like that. And he was like, bro, I was on a Budweiser truck in New Orleans and dogs are all around the city. You got to be ready <laughs> at any given time <laughs> to run as it. fast as you can. And, yep. But that's so wild. Do you, do you look back on someone like Michael Lewis and say to yourself like that man had knew what he had like knew what he had versus like a rookie coming in the league? 
you know, like this man was working on a beer truck, TC. You know what I mean? Like he might know a little bit more of what he does have or has not to lose than what a rookie that just kind of walking through the motions uh, understands about it, you know? Yeah, I think so because when you're coming from basically off of the streets, you know, that's what we call it when when you haven't played but you you get called from off the streets, you know, you have an understanding of, you know, the things that you had to endure just to get back to this level, Mm -hmm. just to get back here or to get on this level. You know, so you appreciate a lot. You appreciate things a lot more and you don't take anything for granted. That's one thing he never did. He never took anything for granted. He just worked his butt off each time. Every day he went to practice, he just worked his butt off. And and kind of that's the same thing with Marcus Colston. Marcus Colston was a guy that, for one, he was, he's the toughest receiver I ever played with. Mark, hands down. Hands down the toughest receiver I ever played with. Uh-huh. He was he was one of these guys, and he was young. And he was tough when he was young. He was one of those guys that would take shots. I mean, we played Chicago. And I, it oh, may I have rem- been the playoff game. It may have been the playoff game. I'm not mistaken. But he was taking some shots from their linebackers. And Chicago defense was. And that was like the year that that, that was like Brian Erlacher and the boys. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. He was taking so many hard shots to the point that we looking at Drew like, Drew, stop setting them up. You know, but but that's how he was. He was getting his bell rung. But he would jump right back up, mm. right back to the huddle. And when he was getting hit, like them sounds, them them hits was was sounding off, like somebody getting hit by a car. That's how hard he was getting hit, you know, in vulnerable areas, you know, where he's stretched out getting hit, you know. But he will hop right back up, right back in the huddle, continue going. He will practice when he's hurt. Uh, he just he just one of the toughest guys, toughest receivers that I ever played with. Is he Hands the best? Down. Sorry to interrupt you. Is he the best receiver in Saints history? Ah, uh, you know what? There's been some good receivers coming through there, man. I mean, Mike Mike Thomas has got a way to go. You know, Mike's got a way yeah. to go. I mean, he's got a way to go. I mean, I think Mike can ultimately be the best Saints receiver of all time. I, but man, Marcus. Right Col- Right now, you got to say Colston. Right, you got to say correct. You got to, in my opinion, you got to say Colston. I mean, dude, you know what the crazy thing about me with with Colston was? TC is he would be started the fourth quarter. Colston hadn't caught caught a ball, hadn't been targeted. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you look up on the stat sheet. You're, you know, Drew's taking his knees, and he's got five catches, ninety nine yards, and two touchdowns. (laughs) He was always locked in. Yep. Yep. And that's him. And the crazy thing about it is the fact he came from Hulsh, I remember just as good. We was in the locker room and he was like, cop, he's like, man, I don't even know how I'm doing this. He was a rookie. He's, I don't even know how I'm doing this. He said, man, I was at Hoshford and the most yards I ever caught in my career was 700. He's like, here I am now at a thousand yards in the NFL and I'm at a thousand. He was like, it's just crazy. But it just came from his hard work. Uh, Coach Payton always put him in good positions. Uh, to make those plays, it was always a mismatch that Coach Payton always found. Uh, that's why he played the slot a lot. Uh, but and then you got a quarterback like Drew Brees. That's not taking any away from Marcus Colston, but you know he had some good people around him to help him out like that. And, uh, and that's what everybody needs to succeed. You need good people around you. Agreed. Um, to wrap it up here, we'll fire in some of these hashtag ask us. 
Uh, Anthony B. Saint says, hashtag ask Blake, what are you hearing about AK-41? How many games possible? TC, I'm hearing six at minimum, uh, unless there's an appeal, which there will be an appeal, which he can play during the appeal a lot like Ezekiel Elliott did. Mm -hmm. Um, Look, man, this is – and and I'll just speak for myself, and I don't want to put this on you. If Mm -hmm. you put your hands on my wife – Mm-hmm. You're gonna get you're you're gonna get dealt with, dog. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't care if we're in a club. I I, I don't care if um, but <laughs> this guy's name on Twitter is Blake Drunks Cheap Liquor. Glad to hear these stories, guys. Um, I I don't care though, TC. You put your hands on my wife in a very derogatory way. Me and my boys, we there, there's gonna be actions, but it doesn't that doesn't stop what happened. Uh, I am hearing six, you know, but look, we'll see. I mean, the the league has progressed in things like this before, mm-hmm. you know, like, so we'll see. Uh, Brandon Reese says, hashtag ask us on the NFL Network, Bookie, uh, Bucky Brooks and James Jones think the Saints offense will be one of the best in the league this year. The offense averaged 21 points per game last year, 19th in the NFL. Um, let me ask you this, TC. Was were you a part of an offense that was really I don't want to say bad in, in the season before, but then the next season y'all exploded. And if so, was there a reason why y'all exploded so big? Was it just a first round guy quarterback? What what was the reasoning for that? Uh, so prime example when I was in Kansas City, uh-huh. my first year in Kansas City in '09, we was like two and who was, was Trent Green the quarterback then? No, this is Matt Castle. Okay, Matt Castle. Okay, right, right, right. Matt Castle, right. Matt Castle was the uh, was the quarterback. But the first year, our first year there in two thousand nine, we went two and fourteen. <laughs> and and the crazy thing about it is that next year, that following next year, we end up going to the playoffs, and we had a like we had like eight or nine guys that was on that same team. We went two and fourteen to make it to the Pro Bowl. That year, the biggest thing that I noticed from that year was the head of the organization got on the same page. Uh huh. Because when when the head is not on the on the same page, it shows through our play. And we was always wondering, like, man, why aren't we winning these games? And some games was close, and sometimes I mean, it was just like we had the talent, we just didn't know why we couldn't pull these games off. And come to find out, you know, because the head of the organization, they weren't all on the same page. Uh, we found that out later. But mm. also, we got Charlie Weiss in as the offensive coordinator. Uh-huh. Remember Charlie Weiss? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So <laughs> Double belly Charlie Weiss. Yeah. Charlie Weiss. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Charlie Weiss took over at the – Just got fired from Notre Dame, game. didn't he? I think so. Right. But mm-hmm. once, once he came in as the offensive coordinator, we just started clicking. We started clicking, and we actually, like I said, we ended up going to the Pro – not the Pro Bowl, but the – Conference Championship that game, year. right? Yep. And we won a division that year. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that, that's so crazy how just one little mm-hmm. – God, nine dudes. Bro, nine yep. dudes in the I'm Pro Bowl. Off that same team that we went 2-14 and 14 with just a year before. The same guys. Mm. It just – we just started clicking. You know, it's crazy. I'm, I'm gonna finish it up. I know you're about to go. I'm gonna finish up with one more story. Uh, and it's gonna be a, let's go. Let's do. I, I mean, if it's better, if it's better than the Kim Kardashian booty story, I'm here for it. <laughs> so look, when I, I'm in Kansas City, right? Okay. I'm in Kansas City, and we end up going to San Diego because we got to play the Chargers. 
I've never seen anything like this before in my life. So we pulling in the bus, we, we're on the bus, we pull into the stadium. You know, the fans are out there tailgating. They're tailgating and we're pulling in. You know, we can kind of see the fans on both sides of the bus. They uh-huh. cussing at us or whatever they're doing. <laughs> so it was it's not funny, lady. but it is. Yeah, but it was an old lady out there. And we out in San Diego, the weather is always good out there. She had on a black trench coat, right? This is an old lady. When I say an old lady, I'm talking about 60, about 60, 70 year old old lady. <laughs> she had on a black trench coat. And then she run up to the gate, to the gate we're going by. And she opened her trench coat up. No. <laughs> Book, you're not even going to believe what. <laughs> what what she had on or the lack of things she didn't have on? Look, she had the biggest strap on. <laughs> on and she just started swinging it. <laughs> Blake, she started swinging it. Like, <laughs> I promise, I I can't make it up. I cannot make this up. And but she was old as I don't know what. And she just started swinging. She opened the trench door, started swinging. We were like, oh my god. <laughs> Bro, I'm fu- I'm fucking done. I'm sorry, XM Radio. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's it's crazy stuff that you see, man. When you out, when you out of these games, what these fans be doing is some crazy stuff. I'm oh telling you. Oh my god! <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> I'm and she was you, like man. doing it like this. That's exactly what she was doing. That's exactly what she was doing. So what were all y'all on the bus doing when you saw this? Like what? We what? Pointing at her and just laughing, just like, <laughs> yo, what is she doing? Like we couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe it. Oh God, was it? Was it crazy. I, I hate to ask it like this, but uh, is, is it like the XL version strap on? Say, oh, I can't even say it again. Is it like the XL version strap on? Is it like? The, I mean, it was huge. Oh my God! It was huge. Oh, yeah. Jesus! It was one of those. <laughs> Daniel Wim says, "Yo, she had a BBC. <laughs> we gotta get out of here. We gotta get out of here. All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's reset. Oh, oh, this is the best episode I've ever done in my life of any podcast ever. Oh, oh." Ooh, but, uh, you you crazy. do you do know <laughs> you do know that we gotta clip this and we gotta replay this over and over and over again. Oh, I'm telling you, man. Hey, speaking crazy. of San Diego, <laughs> speaking of San Diego, I mean, I hate that they don't have a football team there too. I mean, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, yep, it is. It's, it's beautiful. All right, all right. I am your host, Blake Rafino. We will be back Thursday. We will be back Thursday. Uh, We were off last week. Um, We had some requests from texting to the show. We will try to get some guests. We'll probably do another episode and then bring guests in. 
uh, after that. We're not ignoring you guys. All right. Shout out to our good friends over at BetOnline. XM Radio, we love you. But God, dog, this is the best episode I've ever done. TC, I appreciate it, brother. We'll be back next week. We'll see you guys soon. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.